So we're 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 a hard hitting show, and we've covered all like the the major important topics of the day. Um, and I think we've already talked about the cupcake frosting ratio debate, haven't we? It doesn't sound familiar. No. Okay. Well, anyway, I, I have the the only correct opinion, which is that uh, cupcakes have too much frosting, and there should be like sixty six percent less frosting on cupcakes for them to be enjoyable. Um, and actually, somebody. Um, on Instagram that I cannot, it's a Bay area person, but I don't remember her name had a good pro tip or like life hack, um, where if you have a cupcake with too much frosting, you just rip the cupcake in half and you can just kind of smush it together where you kind of invert you, you cut the baby in half and then you put it on like the, the King Solomon thing. Yeah. The, there's a, um, um, I guess you'd call him a food personality, Duff Goldman. He he does like the Charm City cake thing and <laughs> understood zero it's, words of that sentence. It's not really in your wheelhouse, but um, he whenever he eats a cupcake, he do, he does the the sandwich thing where you like rip off the bottom and you make it into a sandwich. Well, see, well that's a good strategy, and I, I didn't know it was it was already a, a widely known thing. But yeah, cupcakes are generally bad. Like cake in general is bad, um, and 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 pie is always bad, but cupcakes can be good but like because the bay area is kind of ground zero to like everything overdone like times five and then the price is times ten <laughs> uh, there might be more follow-up on that later but like every fancy cupcake you can get in the bay area like just the the, the frosting ratio is way off like it just it's not enjoyable like 80 percent of the enjoyment of a cupcake is is just the good cakey part Anyway, the I, reason I, I like it, I like cupcakes for the record. So don't don't <laughs> at me. <laughs> I forget where it's from. It's like you're like a kid. I don't know if it was like Parks and Rec when. Um, do you remember that you you watched all of Parks and Recreation, right? I or, may not or have the seen majority of it. Yeah, the majority of it. Yeah, you remember the episode, the half season where Paul Rudd was on it, where he is Bobby Newport and he's running against Leslie. Yes, I forget what, like what it is, but he's like he's like I like I want to go on the record that like I am against crime and like pro babies or something. Like, that's that you're taking a very very bold stance by saying you like cupcakes. I also yeah. pretty much like all dessert, so I'm I'm not really <laughs> the best um, test case with um, how widely um, your opinion of cupcake frosting is shared because just about any kind of dessert I'm going to enjoy, even if there's too much frosting. Even if there's too much frosting, you don't ever just want to take like a, like a half sheet of a paper towel and just like pinch off like sixty percent of the frosting. Not no, mm. not not usually no. Mm. Oh, you're a better person than I. <laughs> anyway, the reason I bring this up was that was supposed to be a, a fifteen second thing. Is there's a more important there's a there's a parallel issue, but it's more important and more timely, especially in the summer and in kind of. Um, the age group I'm growing into, which is uh, pretzels. Mm. So for for a bar pretzel or like a ballpark pretzel, what is what is your thought on salt ratio or or salt on a pretzel at all? I'm not a big I'm not a big salt guy. Like if you know in with life a, or on pretzels, it both. Um, like for example, if I'm ordering a margarita. 
and I'm given the choice between salt on the rim or no salt on the rim, I would choose no salt. Hmm. In okay, that, that so that's interesting, and that's a different discussion. Probably going to be kicked down the can with the, that'll be kicked down the road for another day. But um, hmm. Okay, that's that's interesting because I feel like uh, that type of thing of like a of a of a cocktail or an alcoholic beverage that has um, salt on the rim component that seems very manageable to to mitigate or address or to customize to one's liking. But okay, well, you're also you're you're kind of hitting me with all the the food stuff where I'm not going to be the best um, sample here. I like all desserts um, and. Nothing serious, but like they're for medical reasons. Let's say I'm I'm not supposed to have a ton of salt, so that's part of the reason why I I generally just sort of well I don't completely avoid it, but I I, well, I don't go out of my way to have more of it. Well, sure, no, like I, I'm right there with you, like not not for the health reasons, but like I will generally I'm I'm not anti salt, but I am sensitive to salt, like where. Uh, your average batch, uh, like to, to to channel our inner Darth here, uh, like the the average batch of um, McDonald's fries that you might get, quite frequently they are too salty for my taste. Mm-hmm. And and whenever I'm making potato based stuff at home or I'm making fancy fries to go with my fancy sous vide steak, I'm very very conservative on the amount of salt I will put on. Yeah, I guess like the the best way I could describe my position on salt would be, you know, there's always, you know, a salt and pepper shaker at the table when you're when you're eating a meal and you'll never see me adding more salt to a meal. Yeah, no, like I'm usually not going to like complain about salt salt content, but I'm not going to add more. And I do try to stay away from like the obviously like blatant high salt content stuff like soy sauce and that sort of thing that is true but one thing i will actually in case the next time you um when was the last time you used your your anova uh sous vide deal we you know it's it becomes kind of a seasonal thing where during the summer we generally barbecue protein and then the sous vide becomes more of like a cold rainy weather season type thing so i haven't used it much lately but wouldn't you wouldn't you use those in tandem like where you use the grill to get a nice because that's the part of sous vide that's tricky where you can you can do a fast high temp sear with a cast iron pan afterward but that's generally the weakest part of the sous vide link because then you have to have somebody in the house on um uh smoke detector duty with like with like waving a um a dish towel to make sure that the smoke detector doesn't go off. But if you, if you can sous vide it and then you have the, like the charcoal or gas grill at a nice temperature, you could you get a real nice fiery sear off of it. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I have a charcoal grill, so it's a bit of a process to get going, which as we've discussed with many other um, topics on this show, the, the process is part of the enjoyment, but it's mm-hmm. kind of a lot to do if all you're doing is searing the meat. And my particular barbecue, I don't really think it's hot enough to like only be used to to you know have a quick sear. So I, I prefer, <laughs> at least in our case, to just you know if I'm going to use the 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 barbecue barbecue, I'm just going to cook the whole thing that way. Have you ever just tried just searing a steak using a, a MacBook Pro running Chrome? 
Haven't tried that, no. Sounds like something you would try, though. Uh, that's, how, that's the only way you get hot in the winter. <laughs> um, okay, so anyway, so I guess the, the gist of that is that most many pretzels have too much salt on them, and um, people should be judicious about that. But a good pretzel is worth its weight in gold. All right, and other frivolous food stuff. I don't think we've actually talked about this one before. Um, yeah, I have, I, I, have, I have an intro that I had to can this week, so um, we're just going through the, the nonsense that exists in my uh, private can, channel. Can you say why you had to can it, or is that going to give too much away? I'll, I'll tell you after the show. It, it, it involves um, a pri- uh, um, something that's not publicly available. Got it, okay. Yeah, it's under NDA. Okay. <laughs> so I was... I was a few months ago. I was driving, and I saw. Are you familiar with? Um, I don't know who the other guy is, but you're you're familiar with Greg, Greg Clooney. <laughs> All right, we already have a show title. Uh, George Clooney. He has a. How do you spell George? I'm I'm still adapting to, to um, everyday life, George. Yeah, we, we should apologize to the listeners. We've been off for for a few weeks here. You you went on um, a road trip, which we may or may not talk more about. But but apologies for for being away here for for a bit. Yeah, S- and summer of fun. And, and I didn't have the foresight to uh, to concoct any uh, miniature episodes or any uh, snack sized episodes. No, that's okay. But you're aware of uh, that George Clooney has. Does he um, does he do vodka? No. Why can't I find the name of his uh his business partner? Um okay, according to the spiritsbusiness.com, um George Clooney has a uh craft tequila brand called oh. Casamigos. Okay. With uh entrepreneurs Randy, maybe R A N D E Gerber and Mike Meldman. Eh, anyway, uh, so they have their own boutique um, tequila brand, and it's it's and like I've actually bought a bottle of it before. It's not it's not bad, but it's not worth like the forty five or fifty dollars that it, that it costs versus something you can get that's twenty or twenty five. But um, <laughs> friends of the show yeah let's let's go with it for friends of the show brian cranston and Aaron Paul. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, yeah i'm yeah. sure they know that um i was driving in in, in uh in mill valley uh, a couple months ago and there was a uh, like a little like a u-haul size van that had their faces on the side of it um and they have their own uh boutique brand of mezcal which as you as you may know that that is that is of, of a spirit of choice that is generally mine um because you know hashtag smoky lifestyle so i guess my question is if our show were to have a craft uh spirits type situation what kind would it be knowing now that mezcal and tequila are taken it's like if we were making our own well yeah uh, again yeah, like yeah, we're, yeah. we're pivoting where we haven't found that uh, we haven't linked up the biz dev people on our team haven't gotten the squarespace deal inked so the still this this podcast is still hemorrhaging money so which yeah well we we need to take things in our own hands so what what spirits business are we making i have ideas but i want to hear you yeah i I have two answers Uh uh-huh i have the answer that i would personally want to go with and then i have an answer that would probably make more sense for this show for a couple different reasons so the one that i would want to go with would be bourbon 
because mm. that's my my personal favorite. That's really the only type of spirit that I will, you know, just like sip on its own and sort of find enjoyment with nicer bourbons or mm-hmm. I mean whiskeys in general, but bourbon sort of specifically. Whereas like something like a tequila, you know, we're you know, we're a Kirkland tequila household where if I'm drinking tequila, <laughs> it's just it's mixed into a margarita and you know, the the quality of of the spirit doesn't matter as much to me as it does with whiskey and, and specifically bourbon. Well, because um, you're enjoying it on a couch made of thirty six rolls of toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> or sorry, a toilet paper fort, not a not a couch. Right. Um but then I think the 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 answer for the type of spirit well, it's not really a spirit, but the 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 alcohol that we should um, market for the show would be a champagne. I think, there you go, which is appropriate yes. because I think that that is either your favorite or at least one of your favorites, and we would of course call it Stiller Sparkling. There you which, go. You know, of course, is uh, the, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm I hear the applause from from our BD team over that. Yeah, my my plan was we were going to form a SPAC, and then we were going to we were going to uh, absorb uh, Piper Sonoma into this, and we were going to find a way to make Stiller Sparkling California Sparkling Wine. You ever been to? Because we like to keep this local here. You ever been to Gloria Ferrer? You ever tasted I have, there? I have not. I've been to the Corbell Tasting Room, and I've been to Iron Horse and Dry Creek, but I don't think I've ever been to Gloria Ferrer. That's nice. Well, maybe well, we'll we'll talk offline. Maybe we can get out there someday. It's yeah. Very nice. Yeah, so I, th- I think that's actually good. Again, I like well. So I don't know if we've actually talked about this, but I'm kind of I'm I'm off the bourbon bandwagon for a bit. For like, were, for were you ever on it? I kind of was. There was a spirit. There, there was a spirit. Uh, there was a I don't know, like in, in the fall and winter. Like a, a bourbon is a nice, cozy, warm drink, sort of. But yeah, I kind I kind of yeah, I don't the alcohol. Uh, by volume is just too high for what you get and and i don't ever have the wherewithal or patience to make a bourbon based cocktail so therefore to sip like i don't know it, it's it's kind of i enjoyed the spirits work spirit is it spirits works or spirit works spirit singular okay singular then plural okay well no because it's because it's works right correct okay yeah, like it, it. It was good, but it just kind of it's it's not a regular thing for me. Whereas very much, it's much more easy to make a Smoky the Bear um, with some mezcal and or just go straight sparkling wine, or as we'll talk about later in the show, um, a nice cider. So, mm. all right. So let me know once you get the investors lined up for this spec, and then we will um, we will bring it to market. Let's see if we got a trademark still or sparkling in the context of alcohol sales. Feels like that's probably already taken, but we'll 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 have we'll have our people look into it. Yeah, yeah, get your legal team on it. Yeah. Okay. All right. The actual show. Ah, fudge! I closed the wrong tab. Gosh, dang it! <laughs> um, you're just you know you're out of sorts coming back from vacation. You know. Yeah, no, it's a vaca- There's a fine line of when vac- vacations become work, or worse. Anyway. <laughs> So follow up. I don't remember how this became follow up. Uh, what video is this? Oh, MKBHD. Yeah. Did you watch this or did you did you seek through it? Which which one is this? Uh, the first item in follow up. Um, did you add some stuff to the? Oh, no. the oh the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So MKBHD is a fantastic. I I really dislike the term YouTuber, and I don't like 
the whole young people thing about watching YouTube as like a primary form of entertainment. But MKBHD, Marquise Brownlee, is, is he's awesome. Um, and he does a lot of stuff that's generally related to um, like phones and personal technology. But apparently he got like an insider look at the Ford F-150 EV. Um, I don't like the name Lightning, so I'm not going to say it. But <laughs> so let me put mute on this YouTube video so I can seek around. But this was like three weeks ago, so I honestly forgot most of the stuff in here. But let me see if I can find it. There were a few things I liked about it, which is... Yeah, you like uh, the, the kind of the workstation setup. Yeah, where, so that, that is, is around... Um, you, you put it in the thing here. That's around the four-minute like mark. Yeah, so said. it's a minute, four minutes and... Yeah, four minutes exactly. One thing... So again, I'm not a... I'm not a truck person. And I feel like when as the closer you drive to Sonoma County... Um, you got a lot of people who, who have trucks as, um, that are not using them as trucks. And that's also very much an orange County thing. Um, but this, uh, Ford F-150 thing, I didn't, I don't know if this is existing in the exist in the current, uh, like internal combustion engine F-150s, but the center console has a thing where the, the gear shifter folds flat and like the center console becomes like a makeshift, like office, like, and you get like a flat area to put a laptop which is super, super cool. And I wish my car had that. Like my car is obviously not this wide, so it wouldn't really fit, but that's really neat. And so much stuff that um, uh, Brownlee highlights in this video is really cool. Like like I still hate this touchscreen and the fake volume knob thing I think is super silly. But um, the, the, the truck frunk is enormous. Mm-hmm. It has AC outlets like everywhere in the car. I think the truck does the um what's I don't, is there a term what's the t- uh, technical term for where like the car your ev can become like a backup generator for your house i don't know what the technical term is but we did mention awesome. that when we were kind of right yeah running through the features when this was first announced that mm-hmm. was something that ford highlighted and which has been sort of a, a common request from other ev manufacturers but i, I don't think there are any others at least here in the u.s that have well, that have done the, it yet the nissan leaf does or at the very mm. least there were some technical demos in japan where because their homes are generally much smaller and everything's more efficient there but that did have that same kind of reverse like pass through whatever whatever thing is does tesla have that I feel no like it would, it's or been something a... like it somehow integrate like into the power wall or something i don't know yeah it's been a rumor forever um and i think people have done kind of the apple teardown thing where they've you know taken apart the the you know the the where you plug it in and they've shown that it's like technically capable of it um but but tesla's never never enabled it yeah and then the only other thing about the the lightning that i thought was really cool is that on the back of it there is this nice little um one of the rear badges it's at the two minute five second mark is there just like a U.S. flag and a, a blue lightning? Um, oh, that's cool. Symbol. Like I, I feel like for U.S. based, and I, and I, and I know it's going to sound weird to pretend Tesla is not a U.S. based automaker, but it kind of feels like they're not. I don't know. Like it just again, Elon lives on Mars, but um, like I feel like they have to make this more of a. I know nationalistic is kind of a weird loaded term these days, but. I feel for like EVs to really succeed, they really need to lean into that, um, like USA 
rebranding or trying to get sort of back to the roots of like Detroit and U S automakers and that kind of stuff. And the same thing like where, um, electrify America, which is the charging station network that was created after, um, Audi and Volkswagen defrauded U S regulators about emission standards, uh, fun story. Um, like electrify America is it genuinely a great name. So I feel like they just need to lean into that. Um, and I feel like, like with 300 mile plus EVs being fairly common like that, this, this shouldn't really be that hard to sell anymore. So this, this, this promising, um, it's probably gonna sell a bunch to people who don't need trucks and you know what they're that's, that's fine. Yeah. This is the, this is the coolest non Tesla EV that I think it is, you know, close either out there or close to to being released this is a really cool car and and that's the frustrating part which i'm sure we uh will move on because i'm sure we've talked about it before which is that this is a car that tesla could have easily made but then they they started this dumb cyber truck nonsense where like they made a model three and a model y that it would have been so easy for them to make a like basic mid-sized pickup truck that's based off of the uh, the chassis of a model three. Like, I don't, I don't see how that would have been that hard. And that would have taken, that would, that would have addressed a huge market. Whereas this kind of sort of gets that all to itself. Mostly slight tangent, but related Mm -hmm. there just recently, like in the last maybe week or something, um, someone in the neighborhood here bought a, um, mock E Mm -hmm. and has had it parked in their driveways. And it happens to be, on my normal dog walking route so i kind of get to, to creep by it um once or twice a day uh it, what do you... it 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 it's i think it looks a little nicer in person than in photos but the back's really ugly <laughs> well actually it's actually the back is the part that i haven't really seen as much because it, it's it's been part sort of other like back with the in person yeah other yeah. casey list type no. <laughs> um it's it's kind of small like well, kind of, yeah. kind of how like the Model Y is a yeah. little bit smaller than you'd want a crossover SUV to be. Like the Mach E, I, I mean, I'm sure obviously the the um, dimensions are out there on the web, but like just visually, the Mach E looks like it might even be a bit smaller than the Model Y. Yeah, which at that point it's it's dangerously close to just being like a sedan. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I don't know. It, and we we've talked about it before. The Mustang branding doesn't really do anything for me. It's I don't know. I'm I'm way more um, enthusiastic about the uh, F-150 Lightning, as you would say, um, mm-hmm. than I am the Mach-E. How many sheds could this hold? <laughs> That's the real question. Mm-hmm. It's too bad I don't need a truck because I mean, there's no way I, I would I would buy this because I I just I don't need a truck, and actually, like <laughs> a truck would just yeah, like it would I'd get far more value from an SUV than I would a truck. Which is too bad because this is really a cool car. Yeah, anyway, I I I wish Ford luck, and I hope they fix their infotainment system because I still think this one looks silly and bad. Yeah, yeah, the software. I think the oh. software has been one of the chief complaints of the Mach E, which you know, the, presumably that will get better over time. Like it's 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 obviously the main part of the car that could get better over time, but well, same thing we'll with see. the um. What's what's the name of the Volkswagen SUV? The ID four. Yeah, that one too. Where the main knock against this is the software is kind of lousy. 
Yeah. Like, I mean, in like a Volkswagen auto group and Audi share a lot of the same, I mean, I assume they share a lot of the same developers and Audi stuff isn't that bad. So yeah, I don't know. But every time I watched a video review of the, the Maki, like there's like just the, the like weird, like, I don't understand why it's so hard to make something that doesn't just have excessive lag. Like, I mean, this like, it's not something that's running a whole bunch of external apps. It feels like there is a way to either somehow streamline it or put a big a better processor in there where it just it isn't that way so where if it's from day one it's gonna be kind of lousy i don't know yeah the the lack of speed and responsiveness is a really weird thing because a more than capable processor doesn't seem like it would cost very much money but in in relative to the cost of a 40 to 60 or plus thousand dollar vehicle yeah yeah all right um okay so I shift uh, shifted some stuff around because actually I think some of the um, uh, streaming news stuff actually kind of coincides with follow out, which is a term that I believe either Jason Snell or John Syracuse coined, which is that you're talking about uh, you're basically inviting yourself as a guest onto somebody else's podcast to complain about what they talked about. <laughs> so I which is which is the one that I had to be in my bonnet about. Um Oh, so it's the link about, uh, it's the second link in our doc, which is the 12 Hollywood insiders talk about the streaming wars. And I, like, there was a good discussion about this on Upgrade, and I don't really need, we don't, unless you have something important, uh, substantial to say about it, I'm not sure I have a whole lot here. But the one thing I wanted to complain about, or maybe push back on is, I guess, what are your thoughts about Disney Plus? Are you as bullish on it as everybody else? I am, yeah. So. I want to know why, I guess after this part, which is that I, I, I'm a subscriber to Disney Plus only because I get it through my cell phone plan for some reason. Um, otherwise, I probably wouldn't pay for it. But my thing is that there's nothing on, there's nothing new on Disney Plus that's for me. And I know that's very, very self-centric or like that's not looking at the market as a whole. And I know, but and I know everybody loves their superheroes and, and, and their Star Wars and whatever. But like, to my knowledge, and you can correct me, all Disney Plus has going for it is it has a bunch of back catalog stuff. And it's got a show I have no interest in called WandaVision. And they have the thing with the dude who has Baby Yoda, the Mandalorian. And they had Hamilton. Is that accurate for the most part? The the original programming's definitely been Marvel and Star Wars heavy, which, as we've talked about before, is is going to do you know nothing for you. Um, I would say the part that maybe is a little bit more in your wheelhouse, which <laughs> probably was not Disney's original plan, but you know Disney Plus has become the home for all new Pixar movies for the last well, I mean, ever since it's launched, basically. But that's not the long term strategy, right? Like they're not. I, gonna... I wouldn't think so. Yeah. So that was an accident. Although those the the Pixar movies have been um, hit or miss, I would say. I mean, Soul was pretty great. Soul, uh, Soul was Soul was fantastic. Uh, Homeward we... Bound or whatever. I still have not watched. I I have watched twenty two minutes of, and I have zero interest in returning. That was so so. And then the lady friend and I also just recently watched uh, Luca, which is the one that just oh, is that came out? out. Yeah. Any good? It's it's not bad. 
but it's not. So here, here's the thing. Let's do a little Pixar. No, no, no spoilers. Tangent here. No spoilers. Um, Pixar movies come in one of two different types. There's there's the first type, which is kind of like Soul, where or like Wally, where it's like a movie that like really makes you think and is actually like kind of an adult movie, but just kind of masked in a very kind of kid friendly, you know, animated skin. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other Pixar movies that are just kind of a traditional like animated movie where they're not really trying to do anything like the plot's pretty simple and they're just kind of fun. And that's mm-hmm. Luca's like that. Which one does the good dinosaur fall in? <laughs> I think this is one, the fourth category. One of the, one of the rare Pixar movies I've not, I think the good dinosaur and cars three, I think are the only two Pixar movies I've never seen. Have you seen cars two? I have. What I've was the, the first of- two? I don't know if I've seen... I, I know I've seen the first one. I don't know if I've seen the second one. What happens in the second one? I could not possibly tell you. Uh, does Owen Wilson say ka-chow a lot? Sure. Is that, the, is that the Wilson brother that's in it? Or is it even Owen Wilson? He's he's the main character, I think, right? Light, Lightning McQueen? Yeah. yeah. What's Owen, does Owen Wilson have a brother? Luke Wilson. Who's he? He's another actor. Well, I mean, he's also famous, but what's he been, been in? I don't that Carlos, you're asking the wrong person. Why 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 does Google always do the thing where they, they put net like you type in anybody's name and net worth, <laughs> net it's worth. Like, God damn it. <laughs> or if it's a woman, it's always something creepy like feet. Anyway. Hmm. Um Does Owen Wilson have a twin brother? Yes he does, obviously. All right. Who is the richest Wilson brother? That's tacky. All right. But my, my point it's like I mean hearing people so bullish about disney plus doesn't really ring true to me because one i I don't feel like the strategy necessarily makes sense right now because one like they have the disney trifecta or the disney bundle i forget which what the marketing term is but the thing where they have disney plus yes espn plus and is it just called hulu or is it is had they add a plus to that too (laughs) i think it's still just hulu yeah and Hulu is where, like, the regular, like, the adult, not adult in the adult term, but, like, the the for, like, the, the TV 14 and above stuff goes. But I feel like that's just not a coherent strategy. And, like, to my knowledge, isn't, like, I, I've never watched it and I'm never going to watch it, but aren't The Mandalorian and WandaVision probably, like, kind of solidly TV 14 shows in terms of content? Like, not in terms of sex, but in terms of violence and possibly language. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched WandaVision. I'm not, not a real big Marvel person. But, but yeah, The Mandalorian is, 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 is a more mature show, I'd say. Um, it's not like, it's, I mean, it's like all other Star Wars stuff. It's not hyper-violent in any way. But, like, so I think all three of the most recent Star Wars movies, like, or the of the of like the new trilogy and actually maybe all of the star wars movies that disney's done in general i think they've all been pg-13 and yeah like the mandalorian is very much like in that sort of same um vein but i'm 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 totally in the um the the upgrade camp which i thought was a really good point on this week's episode where disney's already done this internationally where a lot of this Hulu, a lot of the content that's on Hulu in the U.S. 
is actually just part of was it star uh, internationally and mm-hmm. star is just like another tab within disney plus i can totally see them replicating that here in the u.s like i think i think it's smart to start disney plus being like exclusively associated with kind of like just the traditional Disney brands that any kind of layperson would, but then over time kind of broadening that and consolidating all of their content in one place. I think that, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, I would guess over time, that's what happens. Yeah. I, I mean, so I, th- I think that makes sense, but that, that kind of could already, like, I feel like, so that that's a brand that is most generally known. Like, cause I've been aware because because of sometimes stuff that falls off a truck um when you need to watch tv online i'm already familiar with the star brand uh that i think is mostly in east asia india and sometimes in the uk um but i feel like in the u.s hulu has a stronger brand so at that point you would just say hey let's fold hulu into the and that's now one of like instead of like because right now there's five like disney content silos right Mm -hmm. can you can you name them there's Pixar, there's the Star War, there's um, National Geographic for some reason, which they bought from Fox, and then other stuff. And then maybe the Disney Vault? Yeah, Disney and, and Marvel, yeah. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, but like then I feel like in the U.S. or in, in North American markets, um, the like Hulu has stronger brand presence, so just why not just well, do I th- that? I think- I think you just, I think you gave the answer. I, I could totally see Hulu then, just becoming the sixth tab in Disney+. Plus. But then why, why wasn't it already that way? Because I think they're easing into it. I think but Disney then, then what, really wanted Disney Plus to be associated with the Pixars and Star Wars and, and all that stuff from, from the get-go. But then what separates a Disney Plus original and a Hulu original? I think it is it is literally whether or not that original um content fits into one of the five boxes in Disney Plus. And if it doesn't, it goes over. Well, then then what fits into a Disney Plus original? Well, I mean it's 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 literally the stuff that could be categorized in one of the five categories we just listed. Well, so then I guess sorry, cuz this is this is my frustration, which is that then what and again, I'm very self-interested, but what, then what content is Dis- what Disney Plus original will ever be for me or somebody who doesn't care about Star Wars or Mar- or superheroes? Well, I think like, actually that's maybe another that would be another reason why I think Disney Plus expands and eventually incorporates like all the Hulu content is because then that does sort of broaden its audience so that if you're not a Star Wars fan or a Marvel fan or, you know, a, a Pixar fan, there but actually the, might be some other stuff on there that you want to watch. But then why couldn't, like, like, because Ted Lasso is, uh, I don't know if wholesome's the right word, but like, it's it's a fairly, like, I mean, it's not a, a G-rated show, but I mean, it's it's fairly, like, wholesome and good. Like, I kind of feel like, with, with Apple TV, like that could that could have been a Disney Plus show, maybe right? That would have been that would have been a Hulu show, I think. What, but then, then what is on Disney Plus? I think I mean like, just that, that's the I, thing I like. I know you said that Hulu's not like actual adult content, but like actual adult content, like you know it when you see it. Like, I just I don't know. I just feel like with <laughs> with <laughs> thank you. Uh, wait, who is the screen, uh, Supreme Court Justice that said that? <laughs> I forget. Okay. Um, I just yeah, I just feel like you just. I I don't know if there's like 
12 criteria that are listed to say, okay, this is what it takes to be on Disney plus. But I just feel like you sort of know, yeah, you just, you just know it when you see it. Ted Lasso is, I would say it was probably a little bit in between, but I would fall on it being more, I think there's enough adult content there for that to be a Hulu show. Okay. Thank you, Justice Potter. But, um, <laughs> But I guess then, so would Disney Plus ever have a comedy original? Sure. Yeah, I, I, th- I think Disney Plus will get broader over time. Like I've, like I've said like four times now. But, but, but not meaning inclusive of a Hulu thing. No, I, I actually do really think that Hulu would become another just tab in Disney Plus. I could totally in the next few years see that happening. That would make total sense <laughs> to me. It could even be... You know, they could even start going down the route of, you know, you've got core Disney Plus, which is the the stuff that's currently there. And then maybe there's Disney Plus Plus, which, you know, gives you access to this Hulu stuff. Like, well, I, could, I could see them doing that, too. Well, they're already trying to make uh, PVOD happen, which is an acronym I really don't like. But, yeah. What's what's that? Uh, PVOD. It's, it's premium video on demand. So oh, the, just like premiere access. Though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll actually, uh, that's in a later action item or sorry, just a, a later link in the thing. But uh, anyway, so I remain unconvinced. I appreciate, I appreciate your effort, but I, I, I get it, but I don't see people's bullishness on Disney plus because I just, the core product actually doesn't really. Sh- so they've basically made two, sh- two shows that count because sure. They had a, like a mini series called Inside Pixar, and they had um, wasn't there something with like Kristen Bell where she's given people a second chance at stardom or like something like there's a there've been like actually several other Disney Plus originals, but none of them went anywhere. I think, but I think I but mean they also well, were kind of like Tom- the the first gen Apple TV shows, which were they were kind of barely TV shows. I mean, I, th- I think time will bear this out, but. I think actually both Disney Plus and Apple TV Plus, in large part because of COVID, have not had the original content rollouts that they envisioned. And that I think, you know, within the next two to three years, call it, I think that, you know, I think that production pipeline will have stabilized and we'll start to look at both of those platforms and go, okay, yeah, now now there's enough stuff there. But I I, I definitely think that covid's played a big part in original content coming out on those services has been a lot slower than apple and disney would have liked maybe yeah maybe i i just uh, my 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 pessimism and skepticism is based off the fact that the two big marquee shows they've had are both based off of a like a content vertical that i feel like yeah. is, is it catering to a very like but, it, like but the it's, it's, it's basically like so- it's like the broadest two audiences you could appeal to, though. I mean, you don't fall into either one, but I mean, if you're going to target markets, you would target the market that likes Marvel and the one that likes Star Wars. Those are huge audiences. When do people start uh, tiring of Marvel movies? It's got to be soon, right? I mean, again, I'm not super plugged into them, but I mean, the the thing that I consistently hear about them is that they're varied from one another so you don't feel like you're watching the same thing over and over again they're really well written they connect with each other in some fun ways like i think the reviews on this this black widow movie that just came out which i will talk i guess we'll get to here i think the reviews there have been really good like they're just i don't know they're just they're just really they're they're not like just your kind of 
throwaway cookie cutter like action well, yeah, I don't movies. think, I don't think like, Michael Bay just, movies or something. Right, right. Like, I think that's that's sort of that's sort of the key, and that's you know that's sort of where Disney's gone a little awry with Star Wars, like we've talked about on this show with with the new trilogy. I, they're just there clearly wasn't the the thought put into those that's been put into all the Marvel stuff. Got it. And I guess lastly on this one, do, do you share the, um, I feel like the, the other part of the discussion that I didn't really care for about this was that Netflix not getting enough respect. Is that out? Is that outside the lines? Like, I feel like Netflix does a lot of stuff well. And like people referring to Netflix as Walmart just seems reductive and annoying. Yeah, but this is this is the name of the game in definitely in technology and and probably in media as well, where people are never going to be over enthusiastic about the established player. It's 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 you know it, it's my gripe with things like EV coverage, where you know people are always super excited about the you know concept car that's like probably never going to come out, as opposed to talking about stuff that's actually available and people can buy and i think with with netflix and there's even this quote in the vulture article that we'll have in the notes of it being referred to as like the kleenex of tv like that's just not going to get anybody excited even if you know it does have a ton going for it yeah so I, like... I don't necessarily agree with it but i i totally i see it and i do also really buy into again just like rip off kind of an upgrade take here like how both with netflix and with amazon prime video and i mean maybe even a little bit of to an extent like hbo max which is kind of ironic in its case where like the overabundance of content actually just ends up making things kind of hard to find it makes surfacing new content that you'd be interested in not as easy so like it, it's it's weird to say that like having too much content is a bad thing but um but i do actually think there's maybe something something sort of to that yeah i mean i well a lot a lot of that is and again that's my key complaint or like with the thing the thing i would say most about netflix is that Netflix takes the wrong strategy in terms of dumping entire seasons at once. That's something that we've talked about for years. I, I forget what your take I've, on it is. I've totally come around on that. I was super in favor of it when Netflix first started doing it, and now I'm completely against it. Yeah, like, it's like well, because because you, your life has gotten busier, and you. It's but it's not. Like, it's not even that. It really is like I think my two most recent experiences have been with Game of Thrones and with The Mandalorian. There, there really, really is something to that that week in between, well, and he, like in, in in both of those shows, like I would listen to podcasts about each episode, sort of in between when they'd come out, like, and all that stuff is sort of impossible to do if there's just a big dump like that. that well, you need that time build to, up to, to marinate on it. Yeah, yeah, I like I I love that, and you just completely miss it when when everything is released at once. Like and and that's like that's the thing where like you get like a big heavy or a very good show, and then and this is one thing I I, I fucking hate about Netflix where it does the thing where it, it keeps encouraging you so hard to skip credits or skip the theme song or whatever like no like like there's a reason why content is paced a certain way and you paid twenty eight million dollars to make this fucking thing like let people like stop trying to get them to consume it as quickly as you possibly can 
Yeah, that's that's the one irritating part about Netflix, and that that's what causes them to abandon shows so quickly because they never gain an audience. Because if you didn't see it on Netflix in the first two days that it was like in that like main promotional carousel, like it just vanishes into the pile of other stuff that they've acquired. So that that is, and that's not a fault. Like that that's that's a very fixable problem for Netflix. And that's the one thing where I don't like, so like people who um, will remark upon Disney plus or of Apple TV plus as being very, very like curated and polished or selective. I'm like, no, actually that's just cause they don't have much stuff like that. G- give it time. Like that's not, that, that's like, that's a, that's a side handed compliment. Like that's not, that's not a thing. Anyway. Uh, what else was there? Okay, uh, Disney is going to jack up the price of ESPN+. Plus. I'm not sure if there's actually any new content on ESPN+. Plus. Like, isn't isn't ESPN+, Plus basically like a Kobe Bryant documentary, Peyton Manning throwing a football, and, like, extra UFC fights? Like, is there anything on ESPN+, Plus that's of value? We've, we've joked about this, I think, mostly offline online i i have no idea what's on espn plus so i, I can't really tell you sometimes you'll accidentally turn on sports center and like the like the fucking lower third of the screen is just telling you to go to espn plus to watch something question right. mark i don't know um yeah so there's that oh it's just the disney plus show uh the information something so it looks like growth of disney plus has slowed dramatically this is not really, and and, and I don't, I'm not trying to say that they are unfairly spinning this news, but like it, it makes in, t- in total sense where um, the pandemic for lots of industries, probably a, a, a term, again, I always misuse, has pulled forward uh, a lot of change that would have happened otherwise. So yeah, the pandemic probably accelerated uh, the adoption and subscriber growth of Disney Plus, like and probably compressed two years worth of uh, subscriber ads into like six months so it, it it does kind of make sense that that is slowed dramatically but that it, it seems like a pretty pretty strong slowing yeah but I, I don't know i think you just outlined the the explanation for it yeah um i've been there's been a lot of reasons i've been kind of pretty anti-football this this week but it, uh at&t Somehow got the rights to Sunday Ticket because I think they bought DirecTV like six years ago, and that was a bad investment, like many bad investments they've made. So now, is it just that the NFL now has the ability to sell those rights to somebody else, or is AT and T trying to offload Sunday Ticket to some? What's what is that situation? So, so you're right. So I, I think DirecTV owned the rights to. NFL Sunday ticket at the time that AT&T acquired DirecTV. And I don't know if there's been a renegotiation since then or if this is the, still the, the deal that was in place when AT&T acquired DirecTV. But whatever the case, the, the current agreement is up, I think, like not at the end of this season, but like at the end of next season. And I, I guess like AT&T's maybe already announced or at least it's just sort of like widely known that they're that they don't intend to renew it or maybe that the NFL doesn't intend to sell it to them again. And so you know that that like with every sports right that comes up, you know, people get real excited about 
you know, rumors of the streaming services and kind of the big tech players getting involved. And that, that seems to be, you know, what's happening here with, um, Apple. And does it make sense? Like this, and this is the skepticism that I've always had whenever like Facebook bought the rights to like four MLB games or something like last year and, or early year before. And like, I think, wasn't there like Yahoo or Amazon in like the 2019 football season paid a whole ton of money to like simulcast a Thursday night football game. Like how, how does this fit into the Apple TV plus strategy? Well, that, that part I don't know, I guess, but I actually do think that Sunday ticket in particular is really, really well set up to be a streaming service as opposed to, what it is now where it's it's on you know linear tv by and large because you know the its whole thing is that it gives you access to you know every nfl game and you know the way the nfl works is there's many many games on at the same time real quick is it does does the nfl have the same kind of mlb nonsense where you can't watch your in-market games or is sunday ticket exempt from that I've, i've never had it so i'm not sure okay um but I know that one of the limitations that people have complained about is when you have it on direct TV, you, there are channels that'll show, you know, like four games at once or eight games at once, but you can't customize that at all. It's just sort of like, it is just kind of is what it is. Oh, Whereas, like, this is like, like the East coast quad view channel that you uh, yeah. can just pick and choose. Right. Right. Whereas like if, it, if this was built into a, you know, a streaming platform and, and done well, it, it seems like you could do a lot of really, really cool stuff with it. Like you could you pick and choose your games. You could, you know, pick and choose your broadcasts within each game. Like maybe you could layer radio audio over the broadcast. You could have overlays with like fantasy football stats. Like I think there's a lot of like really, really neat, neat stuff you could do. And yeah, I, I don't exactly know how this would fit into like the broader Apple TV plus sort of like, you know, Tim Cook MRR strategy, but from just like a technology standpoint, <laughs> I could see, <laughs> I could see Apple, term. Uh-huh. Um, I could see Apple making like a really cool Sunday ticket app that does a lot of neat stuff. Yeah. Actually, I swear we we listen to podcasts other than the upgrade. But but um, wasn't Jason talking about this where he's kind of bummed that the MLB kind of scrapped the app that they had on Apple TV that was like kind of like inventive and let let you do this sort of stuff. Yeah, and I don't, now, I don't like, follow a, it closely, but he he's been a big fan of that app for a long time, and I guess there's been some updates this season that that have been a bit of a step back. Yeah not really watching yeah. much baseball these days so I, I couldn't couldn't really tell you yeah can we take a quick uh side pivot for a camera thing uh we don't do that here no yeah we're gonna do it anyway we're gonna break tradition um i i forget what day it was but i tuned in for a second into the um all-star game and you could you brought this up and i don't actually think this ever made the show doctor if we were talking about the show but i think you were talking about um like courtside interviews in the nba finals um they were adopting the like sony mirrorless um like super shallow depth of field thing 
Yeah, this started in the NFL, and you, you were yeah. really early on it. Like you, I think it was like maybe even like the day that the first game did it. Like you jumped right on this. Yeah. Um, and it, it's been, it totally took off in the NFL. Um, and now it's and, taking it over like all sports apparently. Yeah, like just now in the NBA, it's been, it's barely been the playoffs, and it's it's actually ramped up even more in the finals now, where they're really into it now too. Like I think it started in the NBA with with yeah, just really like player interviews like after the game. But like in the finals, it's it's broadened to like almost any time they do a crowd shot now, like during the game, like that's almost all done and with the depth of field, you know, thing. So yeah, they're they're really into it now. Yeah, it's it's. I'm really worried that it's not like it's not getting used judiciously. Like I, I think feel- I think you were early on that too. I think you said that like your concern was like it's cool when used sparingly and properly, but if it becomes just sort of like what you try to do all the time, it just it starts to look weird. Yeah. So like I, I again like I, I don't watch. I honestly did not know that um, uh, Giannis was in the finals. I like I, I saw like four weeks ago that the um, what's the LA team? The Lakers were no longer in the finals. Sorry. Um, so I honestly didn't even know the finals were still going on right now, but like, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that it's, that it's getting adopted everywhere and that it might not be done super well, but like, yeah, I, I, cause I've, I'd never seen it in baseball before. And I was like, one, this looks weird. And also boy is ESPN's 720p on Comcast look bad, which is something we've come back to many, many times, but um, anyway, yeah, I, the thing with the the NBA's implementation of it too. Now that they've done things like incorporating fan shots during the game, what's fan shots is, mean? Like when they're just showing the crowd. Oh, yeah. Um, Wait, how would that benefit from shallow depth of well, field? It, it, I don't there's think no separation it, there. Yeah, I don't think it really does, and it it's just it's jarring to go back and forth. Like, well, with, yeah. With football, they started doing it with like touchdown celebrations, and th- that really yeah. made sense because it was sort of like this this different action during the game that doesn't ha- happen all that well, often, which really is like its own thing separate well, from end end zone shots. Were always looked very different because you always like had even if it was even if the camera like technology was very similar, like it was because a standard game has like kind of like an overhead shot, or they have like that weird like camera on a xy axis wire above the field but like end zone stuff was always extremely different just because that was a very limited part of the game exactly and but then it, the nfl as they started broadening their use of it they started getting into this too where like every time a quarterback would take the field or like other various actions through the game they would start using depth of field and so you you did start to have the same thing that's happening in the nba where instead of it being used for kind of these very specific moments that only happen every so often during the game, it's it's becoming more of like kind of like a mode that they switch in and out of throughout the game. Yeah. And it's like the analogy, I don't I don't know. Have you ever seen an IMAX movie? Like have you ever sat down in an IMAX <laughs> theater and watched an IMAX movie? I haven't. Okay. Well so I, I think I think you'll follow this analogy. So with so IMAX there obviously are the the bigger screens that you watch those movies on, but it's also a format. So it's it's actually a different aspect ratio than like a traditional theater screen is. Mm-hmm. Isn't it closer and to four by three? Like it's much more square. It is exactly. Okay. I mean, like it's it's when you're 
when you're watching it on an IMAX screen, because of how big the screen is, it doesn't look like a like a letterbox, but it, like it almost kind of is, yeah. But the the cameras in order to shoot IMAX are really expensive, really heavy, and so what filmmakers do is if they want native IMAX formats in their movie, they'll usually only have like a select number of scenes that are shot using an IMAX camera. And so like literally what happens when you're watching a movie is, um, you know, the, the, the movie when it's being shot in non IMAX is letterboxed. And then when it's in native IMAX, it like fills the whole screen and like the movie will just literally, you know, bounce back and forth between scenes that are filmed in IMAX versus those that are not. And it's not like a, it's not a terrible experience, but like nerdy people like me notice it and it is kind of distracting. And I feel the same way about this overuse of depth of field. And specifically when you're switching back and forth between using it and not using it, 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 it kind of takes away from it being cool and it just makes it more of a distraction. Yeah. But it it is cool when it's used well. I think for like the player interviews, it, it looks really nice. It's kind of, it feels like it's turning into that. I remember like in the late 2000s when just everybody like really was all into bacon. Like that's what this is kind of turning into. <laughs> like bacon's on donuts, like was, was a step too far. Yeah, well, that was a thing there for a minute, yeah. Yeah, it still is sometimes. And again, much like cupcakes, sometimes it's done well, a lot of times it's not. Oh, this and this end zone shot I'm looking at the end of uh, in football on the end zone it says uh, end racism. That's very nice. Anyway, Oof. uh, any other streaming stuff? Okay, well, I guess we, didn't we didn't we miss the biggest link here? The Black Widow thing. That's what. Yeah, that's what we're gonna. That's gonna be our last bit here. Okay. It's okay. Actually, you, can you tee this up because I don't know what Black Widow is. <laughs> so this is the the kind of next big Marvel release. This, this was supposed to come out <laughs> like I think may 2020 originally and and got pushed back some crazy number of times last year and then was going to come out like early this year and and eventually disney came around and said all right because they for i think through all that they were really pushing for to, to just do a traditional theatrical release because you know they up to this point haven't released like a you know triple a marvel movie on directly on disney plus but they, you know, they finally decided to go ahead and, and do that here. And what, you know, what becomes really interesting about this is that this is Disney's first, you know, big Marvel or Star Wars movie that has been available both in traditional theaters and through Disney Plus's um, Premier Access program. So this is like the first time where we've really had some some numbers put to kind of this concept of a dual release between streaming and traditional box office. And yeah, the numbers are pretty interesting. Yeah, because Mulan did this, but they uh but that thirty dollar premium that they had wasn't comparable because like North American box offices was not a thing at that time. Yeah, and and you know, no like no offense to Milan, I think it was like a perfectly fine movie, but like it's not a it's not a Marvel movie. It's not a Star Wars movie. It's not, you know they're they're sort of in their own class at at least for the moment. Yeah, so the numbers are that um, a worldwide 60, well, actually, oh, I can just use uh, yeah, calculator, um, 60, there's zero, there's zero, there's zero. 
divided by 30, uh, 2 million, I'm guessing, uh, I could have done this in my head, 2 million people. Wow, I can't do 60 million divided by 30. 2 million people bought premium access to it. Does that sound right? Check the math. Check, checks out, yeah. That's not bad. I, I'm, that is, huh, I'm sure we talked about uh, to to death, but like that's, it's an interesting concept of not having to go to the theaters. Like I, I, I think the really interesting part is going to be when, uh, uh, studios are not forced into this kind of thing. Where right now it's kind of a, a convenient, or or kind of like an uncomfortably convenient test bed opportunity for this type of stuff where you're forcing you're pulling forward stuff that you may not have ever thought you were going to do but when the traditional like release schedules and, and opportunities are out there like whether or not they continue to think that $30 extra for being able to see something immediately at home is still going to be a thing that people want to do like I, I, I think like that'll be the much more interesting question I don't know, but do you, th- do you think this is good uptake? Like, do you, does that the two million figure sound higher or lower than you thought it would be? I I don't I don't really know. I guess I don't I don't know what my my expectations were here, and I feel like it it is also kind of muddied with like theaters coming back and maybe people being a little anxious in some cases to get back into those. So I, I, I don't know. I think we like, you know, not to be all five thirty eighty, but with like, we just sort of, I think need more data and more examples of this before we kind of get a good sense of where this is going to end up. This is actually like totally a point that I thought of after we talked about in the Heights, um, a few weeks back, mm-hmm. I made that a, a chef special mm-hmm. and kind of focused on like the Dolby Atmos part of it. But I, I missed the the actually the major point, which I thought of later, which is like that was the first example for the lady friend and I of a movie that we one hundred percent would have gone to a theater and seen in the before times, and you know technically had that option to do this time around too, but but you know without question chose just to stream it at home, and. I think like we're we're a bit divided and a bit conflicted about how we feel about that. Like the lady friend very much is like she would have preferred to been able to go see it in the theater. Whereas like I really liked the experience we had. Like we we actually went out to dinner that night and then came home and watched it. And like, you know, we, we didn't have to worry about time at all. Like there wasn't some start time that we had to make sure we were there for you know, got to just sit on my comfy couch with, you know, the big OLED screen and the surround sound and all that. Like it, it was pretty nice. No sticky floors. No sticky floors. But like, but 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 I also do like, I love, I like, I really did enjoy going to a theater and kind of making the whole like date night thing with, with a movie theater. Like I really, I did like that in the before times. So that's, that's why I am sort of like, I'm a little conflicted because I do have so many good memories of doing that, but at the same time, this experience within the Heights was really nice. Well, but then to counterfactuals or or to, to clarifying questions here would be that, well, so what happens when the dynamics are that it's not just included with your HBO max subscription. And let's say it's a regular year um, or, a, or a cl- approaching regular year. 
and that this costs you an extra twenty to thirty dollars. What's what's the the calculus then? It's it's hard. It's it's so tough to say because a lot of it depends on comfort level of going back to a movie theater, which you know. I'm starting to venture out into the world a bit, but a movie theater is not not a place I would consider going still, and I I really don't exactly know when that answer is going to change. So, if it's a movie I really want to see, of which there really aren't that many that come out every year that fall into that category, I was only going to the movie theaters two or three times a year at most, really pre-COVID, um, and so you know. When those movies come out, I, I, there aren't really even any coming out soon that aren't just going to be free on a streaming service that I want to see. But if there were, I think I, I mean, I would pay 20 or 30 bucks. No, no problem to just be able to watch it at home. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fair. But you still need to get me with like, uh, you need to find me an investor or like an inventor person to, so we can patent our, um, fast track for home viewing so because again that's that's the other part which which again there is no good solution to which is that there's no way to verify how people are watching where it shouldn't cost me 30 dollars to to watch it uh, on my own versus like a family of four but anyway yes i'll actually say you know actually will say that the part that i'm probably most surprised about and probably shouldn't be but am still is the 80 million domestic box office mm. number yeah. but that yeah. I, I saw that and was like Woof. wow yeah mm. and you know I, I mean hey people are especially if, if you're vaccinated you know you go out and make 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 your choices that's fine but um i i was i was surprised at how high that number was load up the new york times vaccination map all right <clears throat> don't look at the um, 14 don't day look change at the 111 percent huh yeah, don't look at the case counts. That's mm. people love their movies. Ooh, okay. Uh, we'll move rounding this out. That this be super fast. Uh, Emmy nominations apparently like uh, traditional um, television and media just not really anymore. It's basically every, every nomination is to a digital service. People were were talking a bunch about that. Um, uh apple tv plus got like 29 or 30 nominations or something um but hbo max got 130 netflix with 129 ted lasso friend of the show jason sudeikis yeah let's just keep going with us um 20 nominations for him or for not for him sorry for the for the whole show um yeah i mean i i i don't care too much like i mean i I care much more about the emmys than i do about the oscars but yeah i mean it's kind of it's kind of interesting where this is kind of flipped to being entirely a a digital and streaming content race first especially now that like hbo is kind of like even traditional hbo hbo is considered kind of a streaming service now rather than being a cable first service that's kind of interesting that all the best stories that are available are all on um, on streaming. Kind of neat. It, isn't the answer sort of in some ways kind of simple, though, where the budgets on these shows are just so much higher than anything that's available on network TV? That well, sure. It's, it really, it's becoming sort of a 
apples to oranges. I mean, not to say obviously that like money necessarily makes a good TV show, but like it doesn't hurt either. So it kind of just, you know, follow the money kind of thing, right? Like it seems like it sort of makes sense that mm-hmm. this is where the awards are going. Yeah. All right. Neat. Um, what else we got? Uh, a couple other quickies. Um, oh, this was, this was a, you, you recommendations. This is, so I guess this will go into our, um, boozy still or sparkling, or we've got to find a better term for that. But, um, you had been an advocate for the beer with the sea otter on it. The golden state cider. Yeah. Yeah. So currently drinking that. Hmm. It's entirely fine. It is fine. Yeah. Like it, it's fine. It's, it's. I, I I don't know. I I don't have uh, I haven't ta- I don't have like tasting notes in front of me, but like uh, to compare how much better or less better. Sorry, worse is the word for that. Um, than uh, two towns, but um, you know what I think I'm you know what I think I'm finding what cider. I don't I mean don't don't at me here, but cider is sort of a young man's drink. Like I I really <laughs> did enjoy cider in my younger days and just don't don't enjoy it in general as much now like i I think this golden state cider stuff is still good but it's it's not not what i'm gonna gravitate towards so i'm gonna as somebody who who increasingly fears getting old and is no longer uh jokingly joking about being old and now uh terrifiedly jokes about being old Mm -hmm. um no i still genuinely like cider so i'm gonna i'm gonna take them i'm gonna take it and run with it as that makes me young um yeah because most here's the thing and this we i don't do this might get pushed into another week or something but very much so when uh like i'm like at a brewery or or like a bar which is that where where wine or cocktails are not necessarily on the menu or not the key thing that they do i will generally ask for the most like citrusy thing that still looks like a beer is kind of generally what i will just tell the bartender and that's yeah, I I I won't I don't I still genuinely dislike almost every beer. So Yeah, I guess for me if I'm going in the kind of fruity direction for beer, I would rather have a sour beer and not a cider. Yeah, but sometimes I don't, sours are too sour. Yeah, like I, when I was younger, I don't I wouldn't have enjoyed a sour beer as much, but now I do. Okay, so we'll we'll, t- we'll pivot take that I'll take that a pivot as a being a sophisticated palate. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> sure but anyway this but the the one thing i will say is that sorry the ring the reason this uh has made it to the show is that uh, i took a photo and that um northern california trader joe's now carry one they carry both uh two towns cider house cosmic cosmic crisp which i think we've talked about on a previous we, episode we talked about this yeah um and then that was when you had had advocated for the golden state cider which again it has a couple of tick marks on it for me which is that one there's a sea otter on the label and also um the the can comes it's a it's in a pint size can which is uh for for canadian listeners that's 16 ounces or um Mm -hmm. 82 deciliters um it's it's a good size because frequently a 12 ounce can is slightly less than i want and two cans is too much where uh yeah 16 ounce can is generally preferable Mm -hmm. so it's interesting and the price isn't terrible. It's, uh, at Trader Joe's, it's eleven bucks for a four pack of um, pint size cans. Anyway, it, it and it's, uh, it's, lo- it's local Sonoma County. 
Yeah, my 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 rating is it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but not not in a condescending way, and it, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, all right. What's any camera project mean? Um, I'd say I wanted to see like on your um this road trip that you just that you just went on. Like, was there any sort of like specific? thing you were looking to do with your camera were you like were you just taking lots of pictures were you taking certain types of pictures oh yeah so i mean so i just came back from a through 3500 miles a oh, poor car um road trip uh through the uh the midwest which people have continuously told me is not the midwest but i i i i, I kind of refuse to believe that colorado and utah in that area is not the midwest and unless joe biden or somebody tells me otherwise i'm i'm fine with that um yeah i mean so yeah the uh, uh, word to the wise uh there, there's a fine line of when a vacation no longer becomes a vacation and, and you should be cognizant of that and, and self-regulate but in terms of camera stuff no it's um you have the benefit and this will actually be uh tungled for or, or rescheduled for a future week because this is going to change soon for you but um having having too many lenses is definitely a chore to try to figure out what to take on a trip and also to not overpack for a trip but basically for this i um exclusively almost exclusively use the uh sigma 24 to 70 f 2.8 kind of mid-range zoom lens it's a very good versatile lens but no i mean the whole point of this was to just visit a whole bunch of national parks and hopefully not use my phone too much Uh, the second half didn't really happen um and yeah, visited a whole bunch of cool places, and I think it worked out except for the fact that it is uh, very, very hot and very, very humid um, in places that aren't California. And I do feel that is the one thing, if we can push forward my pick of the week, um, it is the state of California, because we take it for granted that it's never humid here. And in every other part of the country, it's always disgusting and gross, and you feel, you you step out of your car immediately, and you just you just feel moist and disgusting <laughs> so anyway uh cameras are, <laughs> cameras are fine uh the, the a7r4 continues to be a champ um USB-C forever um and now comes the annoying part of having to oh man i i, I john syracusa has talked about cameras a couple of times on I know you don't listen to reconcilable differences, but I think he's talked about an ATP. There's a whole lot of stuff. I, I, I profoundly disagree with the way he, he approaches photography. Well, not but, the, the, about him, everything. Him not, him not keeping, well, I think Casey does this too. Like generally not keeping the raw versions so, of files. So mm-hmm. can I, can I, I'm going to give you some one. I'm, I'm not a terribly skilled photographer, so nobody should listen to me about anything, but if you're just doing like spray and pray photography, that's not, I mean, uh, that's that's definitely a, an approach, but that's kind of a little bit defeating the point. Do you know what I mean by that? I do. Yeah. Like, so that's where, like, if 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 your whole point is that you don't want to keep the raw files because you end up with like three thousand photos after a trip to the beach, well, then then you're 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 doing it wrong. Like, just take fewer photos and be slightly more careful and deliberate about it. Like, that's kind of. That's a weird way to fix a problem that could be fixed another way. I don't know. But anyway, but now after uh, 3,500 miles and an 11-day trip, um, I have, uh, let's look at Lightroom in July. I have 1,437 photos to wade through. So, um, and, mo- and most of those aren't duplicates. So that's going to be a huge pain in the butt. And I will get to some to those sometime by the midterm elections. 
So do you, when you're on a trip like that, are you like backing up your photos somehow? Yeah. On? Okay. So the problem with that is uh, the other problem is that because the A7R4 is a um, 61 megapixel sensor, the files are quite large. So no. So that's the one benefit of the fact that the um, the MacBook Pro I have when I um, got it because the keyboard on my other one broke. Uh, I got the two terabyte uh, SSD. So no, that I won't. Usually I don't have enough time or patience or energy to edit after a day while on vacation so i will just dump those onto my laptop just because even though i have um dual 256 gig sd cards um depending on the day like you would still want to empty that nightly so you you just like throw those into a folder on your laptop yeah and that's the one advantage of um being kind of like an all USB-C workflow is that yeah you just plug that into the macbook pro just dump that folder onto the desktop and then mm-hmm. you can use the macbook pro to charge your usb-c camera at night and just kind of daisy chain that stuff mm-hmm. yep anyway uh more yeah once once i edit some stuff and i um, have a more coherent um version of events there'll probably be more to talk about but anyway it's fine all right uh what have you been up to anything interesting um just kind of um enjoying summer uh, summer's the best time of year i won't mm. hear anything else mm. um it's been a little too hot some of these days but you know we've made it through through that at least for now been nice to slowly venture back out into the the world a little bit more turns out i've missed i've missed restaurants going out to restaurants is nice <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that's what's going on over here. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, just, just, yeah, make a food blog or something and just, yeah, keep, keep, uh, keep a record of, um, what's new out there. Yeah. Cause yeah, you, you have a decent, um, read on Marin and Sonoma County restaurants because not, not all the exciting stuff happens in San Francisco. So yeah, I'm, I'm real, I'm real into the idea of like, like cooler and nicer restaurants and bars coming in into our area. I mean, San Francisco is not that far, but if instead of, you know, 30 minutes away somewhere was say five minutes away, that's, that's nice. Yeah. So keep, keep, keep me and, and, uh, to a lesser extent, the listeners, um, and loop when you find cool spots. I will. Um, right. We got anything else to do, do, do no. We can skip most of this. Is any of the Tesla stuff time sensitive or not really? Not, not really. No. Oh, what's what's this iPad 15 thing? You got anything to say here? Well, I can pull forward a chef special here. An i okay. I'm sorry. We have we have standards on this show. The iPad cannot be. <laughs> no, no. Um. So not the iPad itself, but I, I. So I'm running the iPad OS 15 public beta that came out a couple weeks ago. And specifically the, the multitasking stuff, it's so, I mean, so hear me out. Don't just immediately burst into laughter. It's a lot better than it was, which, and I, that bar was exceedingly low. And I'll also preface this by saying it's, it's not as good as it should be still, 
but sliding scales holy shit right but it 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 is it's tremendously better and like for the first time ever i basically understand how multitasking works on the ipad and i can't say that it, like in my day-to-day use of it it's something that i find myself wanting to use a lot but there are occasions where i want to do it and now i actually can in a very intuitive way so two two thumbs up to that and also um kind of i guess two thumbs up too why not to widgets and the app library on the ipad like two things i've really enjoyed in the iphone they should have just been on the ipad last year so again it's it's half-hearted praise here but but it it is really nice that um that 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 stuff's come to the ipad so like, i finally have my ipad home screen sort of organized now i never really bothered before but now that i can just throw everything into app library and throw a couple widgets on my one screen um it's really nice hmm. okay um do you use app, li- app library on your phone oh yeah it's, yeah. Do you, sorry, I, let me let me clarify. Do you ever do you have any apps on your phone that only exist in App Library? I mean, the the majority of them are that way. Yeah, like you've actually gone through, organized your home screen, and and hit the thing like you're going to delete an app, and then say, actually, no, just remove from home screen. Mm-hmm. I did that with with my iPhone last year, and then just did that with with the iPad when putting iPad OS 15 on there. So I just I just have one home screen on both devices now, and everything else is just an app library. Interesting. Yeah, hmm. mul- multiple home screens is is silly. Unless I, I I I you could convince me into having an entire like second home screen that's like just widgets. I I'm not into widgets enough for it, that to make sense for me, but I I could see that making sense for some people, but. Having multiple pages of just icons organized into folders, and actually even apps being organized into folders, I feel like doesn't really even make all that much sense on iPhone or in iPad OS either anymore. Just with the way that you can quickly search for apps and open them that way, I don't really get what the point of having them in folders generally is. But and it's not like you you don't you don't sort your you don't sort your applications on the Mac into folders like inside the applications folder. Well, so. that's because I can hit command uh, command space and then just type any app name. Well, but that's exactly what you can do on iOS and iPadOS. You just pull not really, down though. on the home screen, and it's the same. It's exactly the same thing. Not on the phone though. On the iPad, I will give you that sort of, but on the phone, not really. Why? Why is it not the same on the phone? It's just it's, not. It's it's not. It is close, but it's not. Okay. Uh, oh wait so was that your chef special it was yeah I've, okay. I've been i've been i've been really enjoying that um i kind of just i threw the public beta on there because i mean why not well because it's um, an ipad so it's not as as uh as mike and jason have talked about it's not critical to your workflow yeah exactly um and i you know i've heard over and over again about kind of how stable the betas have been this time of year so i was like yeah, okay mm-hmm. fine um so you know you public beta comes out you know you wait a day or two to make sure that it doesn't you know destroy your iCloud account or anything and um I put it on there it's it's I I I had very kind of modest 
expectations, but I've I've really I've really enjoyed what they've they've done with multitasking. It's you know, it's what they should have done either from the get-go or what they should have done, you know, one or two years after initially releasing multitasking. Instead, it took them it's been what, five years since multitasking first came to the iPad? Something mm-hmm. like that. Um so multitasking should be further along than it is but you know it is nice that it's taken this step forward finally cool i think i think once you try it i think you'll you'll enjoy it i don't think it's going to like radically change your use of the ipad and you're you're not going to throw your you know your macbook pro out the window or anything but i i, th- I think you'll like it okay we shall see um, I don't really have one this week. There is one, one very minor update to a program that I think we all, everybody uses that is actually worth noting. So I guess sort of that's vaguely a chef special. So you're aware of this thing called Dropbox, right? Never heard of it. Mm-hmm. You are a Dropbox user though, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Work, work and personal life. Are you like me where basically everything... Oh, wait, no, I, I think we've talked about this. You're still somebody who somehow uses Dropbox with the free 2-gig plan. Well, I do, but it it does basically have everything do you just except... Have no, you just have I no just media have, files in it? I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have media files, no. <laughs> just in life? I mean, I, I, like, I, like, you know, my, my photos and, like, the videos that I take, you know... I mm-hmm. like those are on the Synology, but, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't just have like downloaded movies or something. No. <laughs> okay. That's what the, right. that's what the streaming services are for. And then like all the stuff that you buy on oh. iTunes, which is like, where of... else am I going to put all my bootleg Taylor Swift performances? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, honestly, this is a, this is a two prong thing, I guess. Cause this, this might be maybe an only me thing. You're, I was gonna say, you're a Mac user, right? Yeah, you are. Well, but you're also a Mac user for work, right? Yes. You in the, and you're aware of what the Finder is. Um, the you have, mm-hmm. you have folders pinned to the top, right? Do you know what that means? To the, you mean the top left? No. So if you're viewing a folder that contains a mix of folders and files do you have the folders pinned to the top no i guess i don't so that's one thing that i am this is this has been a complaint about computers for like 25 years for me where where there's always been this very strong inconsistency with this and this is actually not an option on OS 10 until I think like four years ago. And there were a whole bunch of weird hacks that you could do to make it work the way that I want it to. But let's say like I have a folder of like 20 objects and three of them are folders. And one of them is a folder called miscellaneous. One of them is a folder called like top secret. And one of the folders of called dogs or something. Let's say you had three files that were like a, B and C the folder called dogs would be item four instead of at the very top. And I generally, in the way that I think of computers, folders need to be at the top of a folder. Does that make sense? I mean, you could right. disagree, but does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that fairly recently became an option in OS X. And 
that was great because that makes total sense for me because I no longer had to use, um, I think there was a, a like a system extension hack that you could use that was called Total Finder that would somehow allow you to do the system wide. But my problem was that I'm somebody who keeps everything in Dropbox so that basically my home folder is my Dropbox. So there's never there's never a file that's just on my computer. Like if I'm if I'm in a place where I only have my phone or my iPad, I can get to every file I would ever need. But on iOS in the Dropbox application folders were not pinned to the top and now they quietly and unceremoniously release an update where it is that way and it's delightful and i don't think anybody but me cares and i'm very happy about that is it a is it an option no that's the problem with dropbox is that none of their shit's ever an option like it's just like oh this this is the way that they the way it is like Dropbox somehow decided like two years ago that they wanted to be Slack for some reason. Like Dropbox somehow became like super bloated and weird a couple of years ago. Like, no, Dropbox never has any options. There's never been a way to specify that you want folders pinned to the top. It just all of a sudden they decided to blanket change the way something worked, probably to the annoyance of many people, but just in the one time in computing history that actually benefited me. So I'm very happy now. So I, I have a I have a Dropbox mm-hmm. folder open on your Mac it, or on the iOS on the Mac. Okay, and it's it's like the stuff is just sorted alphabetically. Okay, regardless. so so in the upper left corner of your of your Mac, you mm-hmm. click on Finder, go to Preferences, go to Advanced, and then Ooh, Advanced, and then where it says Keep Folders on Top, you can check a box that says In Window when sorting by name. Oh, look at that. I don't know. For and, me, that just makes way more sense because, like, I would just never like there should never be a folder. Like, I should never have to scroll down through a list of possibly hundreds of items to realize that there's a folder that could have many more items inside of it. That should always be at the top. And so, what you're saying is that Dropbox used to basically just ignore that on iOS. Yes, where if I had a folder called Zebras, and it was like there's a hundred items in it. Like, I would have to scroll all the way to the bottom to ever realize that there was more of those. Like, folders should always be at the top, files at the bottom, and then sort alphabetically. Like, that's the only way computers make sense. I I have clicked this box, and I, I like this. Yeah, like, I mean, like, and here's the thing. Like, I think this is the way that Windows has always done it. And not that, like, Windows is, is, is bad and, um, like, archaic for many other reasons, like, See, for example, drive letters, which I don't know if you, I know you're a Windows, well, actually, you're still a Windows user because I, I don't mm-hmm. know if you, how much your flight sim computer is getting used, but it's, like, getting, it's getting used. To think that in 2021, you still have a C drive makes no, no sense on a PC. But I do think Windows actually works this way by default, where folders are always at the top, which is kind of the, it, yeah, it's the only way that it should work. So, anyway, this, yeah, this, I'm happy that this. May have I and, and I'm worried that this was an accidental change or that this is a bug and somehow <laughs> in a week or when somebody hears this show that they'd be like, Oh shit, we got to go fix that. But luckily on, on the Mac, unless Apple screws with it, like they messed with the Safari tabs or Safari on iOS. Which actually oh I I know shows running long, but like what's what's the deal with Safari on iOS that everybody's mad about? Since you're so, on the so I don't I don't have the beta on my phone and i think that's oh is that the the one where that's where, where people think it's annoying 
that's the one is really bad the ipad version like i'm not somebody who has a ton of tabs open on the ipad but i, I actually did open up a bunch of tabs just to like see what people were were talking about and i i agree that it's bad um it won't really impact me a whole lot in day-to-day use but if you were somebody with a bunch of tabs i could see why you wouldn't like it and apparently they just rolled out an update like today or yesterday to the mac version that's it's still i bad. guess i think it's like it's still bad but it's less bad now Correct. so I, I don't which, know which i, mean, I, I don't i don't like use a win. i don't use safari on the mac so i, I don't I don't really mm-hmm. care what it does on the Mac, um, but I am I am worried about the phone thing because it does seem like that's. So I do use it there, and it sounds like that's really bad. So. Wait, so, so on iPad OS, it doesn't because like the whole point I think now is that like the address bar just like floats at the bottom now. Does it no, not do that, that on iPad that, OS? That's, that's just on the phone. Got it. On iPad OS, that stuff's still up at the top. Got it. Okay, well, good show. Nobody at Dropbox. Please don't fix this bug. Um, And uh, yeah, chat with you all next week.